Today is Monday, June 26, 2023. This is the Quick Start Podcast from CBN News. I'm Billy Hollowell. Efforts are underway to recover parts of Ocean Gate's Titan submersible, and the attempted mutiny in Russia is apparently over. We'll have those top stories and more on today's podcast, News from a Christian Perspective. You can subscribe to the show, give us a rating, share it with a friend. And hey, if you have any thoughts, send them over to quickstartpodcast at cbn.org and head over to cbn.com slash quickstartpodcast. Joining me now is Trey Goins Phillips. Welcome back, Trey. I know. It's been like, well, it's been a week, but it seems like it's been forever. And I'm I'm working from my parents' house because I haven't quite gotten home yet, and I'm using airpods so that's that's the explanation for the incredible sound quality today well you've, you've been all over america you know we can't say you were skiing because it's summer but you were enjoying a oh. vacation which was well deserved well well you could deserved. say i was water skiing uh but i <laughs> but i wasn't water skiing so that would be not true but i was at the beach which was good it was nice you can't you can't go wrong with the beach. Well, we are glad that you are back, and we're going to be getting into a whole bunch of uh, interesting news today. On the main thing, we're going to be having CBN's Madison Seals. She'll be speaking with somebody from the ministry platform Glue, and they're going to be talking about how Christians can properly and effectively navigate artificial intelligence. But before we get into that, the news in ninety seconds. Efforts are underway to recover the remains of the Ocean Gate Titan, the submersible that suffered a catastrophic event earlier this month, killing the five men on board. As of Sunday, there were at least four dives to the seafloor using remotely operated vehicles to try and locate pieces of the wreckage. The Massachusetts-based Pologic Research Services, it's a private company whose ROV located the initial Titan debris, they're continuing the mission to recover pieces under the supervision of the the Transportation Safety Board of Canada and the U.S. Coast Guard. Meanwhile, China has reiterated its support for Russia after an attempted insurrection aimed at Russian leaders stunned the international community. Observers were closely watching Saturday as armed members of the Wagner Group, a Russian paramilitary company, waged a mutiny that threatened Russian President Vladimir Putin's grip on power. Now, Wagner boss Yegny Prigogine ended up retreating from a march toward Moscow and will reportedly leave Russia for Belarus after a deal was struck to end the insurrection. China's foreign ministry called Russia, quote, a comprehensive strategic partner and dismissed the matter as an internal affair. In other news, there are reports of a Christian Great Awakening unfolding in Iran despite the restrictive government's use of imprisonment, torture, and execution. Scores of Iranians are reportedly leaving the Muslim faith and converting to Christianity. There are reportedly 1.2 million Christians inside Iran, with the massive growth coming as believers face increased pressure from the Iranian government. Iranian believers and aid organizations are calling on Christians around the world to pray for those facing these pressures inside the Muslim country. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Trey, I've got to ask you a couple of interesting things here. This Russian insurrection story was intriguing for a number of reasons, obviously, as outsiders looking in, trying to understand what's going on. But it seems like there could be some cracks in Putin's power right now. 
Yeah, you know, I think the it's similar to China, like when we're looking at China as outsiders, is like there's so much going on. There are so many details to all of this, you know, inner workings of politics and uh, and government and, and military, all this stuff that we don't really understand because you don't really know, like by the time we hear it, by the time we get the information of what's happening in Russia and what's happening with the Russian government and Vladimir Putin's uh, regime, how much of it is true and how much of it has been kind of you know, manipulated to sound a certain way uh, to give the impression of something. So you have to hold everything kind of loosely and, and see everything with the, with a grain of salt because you never really know what the truth on the ground is uh, in places like China and Russia until they actually unfold and until they actually happen. But uh, yeah, everything that's happening right now is is bizarre, and it's it's kind of difficult to understand because obviously the huge cloud uh, that's been there now for a couple of years is Ukraine, right? What's going on with Ukraine and Russia, uh, and how is how is all of that going to be impacted uh, if Putin doesn't have uh, the tight grip on his on his military on his government that he's led everyone to believe now for over a year. Well, yeah, and I think I think it's going to be interesting to watch this unfold because, I mean, the other factor here, right, you have the Wagner Group, and this is a paramilitary group. It's not an official government group, but they've been fighting for Russia in Ukraine. But when you have people stepping forward and being willing to say, hey, we're going to come after you, even if they retreat, you know, it does make you wonder, are there going to be other groups that are emboldened? Um, it, it just seems like Putin, the country might be tiring of Ukraine and, and everything that's going on there. So it'll be interesting to see. And the only other one I wanted to mention to you here is Iran. Obviously, we know the church has been growing there, but it is it is interesting as the government becomes more restrictive. And, and we see this again and again to see Christianity like flourishing, absolutely flourishing in these places where, you know, it's not allowed to be present. I, I don't know that to me is incredibly intriguing. It just reminds me of the early church growing in the Roman Empire. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible that it seems to be a one-to-one um, situation every single time. Whenever uh, Christians are persecuted more, whenever more pressure is put on the gospel, it seems to expand at an even greater rate. So, you know, it's it, to me, it's just proof of God's uh, of God's presence and the Holy Spirit's working um, that it it literally cannot be cannot be stopped. It, it seems to spread at greater rates uh, whenever it gets more intense. Uh, and we hear that all the time when we talk to different missionaries or people who have faced persecution. Billy is uh, they don't pray for the persecution to end because they see the gospel flourishing in the midst of it. Instead, they usually ask for prayer for the strength to endure whatever persecution they're facing. Which, uh, what a convicting thing to hear as a Christian in the West who. Uh, you know, we've had the blessing of not having to endure that persecution. Exactly. No, and and I think it's, you know, we we live in such a, an amazing country where we have that freedom, despite our battles and our fights here over different things. And you you hear these stories and you see how much people are willing to sacrifice for what they know to be true, and it it's deeply you know deeply inspiring. But let's move on to our focus story. You know, Trey, this is, I don't even know where to start here, but there was a disturbing chant reportedly heard during a New York City Pride event over the weekend. What in the world happened? 
Yeah, so like we just said, we don't have to face the the traditional persecution, the violent persecution, and praise God for that. But we are also dealing with a whole lot of a whole lot of other serious things that are worth talking about. And this is 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 one of those things. So, uh, a drag march in New York City. Uh, there were reportedly people chanting uh, several disturbing, uh, disturbing things. But the most disturbing was uh, reportedly this chant. Uh, they said, "We are here. We are queer. We're coming for your children." Uh, some people oh, who were God. chanting that claimed that it was sarcastic, uh, and others, uh, of course, just kept chanting it as as they marched along down New York City for this drag pride event. Now, as we're rounding out the end, the end of June, uh, which has been it has been Pride Month, so this is kind of was a, a pinnacle uh, march uh, for New York City. So obviously I can imagine, you know, you mentioned a little bit there of the response, but how big and sweeping has the response to this chant been? Yeah, so there have been people in the LGBTQ community, like I said, who said it was sarcastic, others who just kind of ignored the pushback and, and who just kept kept on saying what they were saying without really explaining it. But then there have been a lot of conservatives and, of course, Christians uh, who have been very critical uh, in, in the wake of, of this chant being heard throughout New York City and throughout this drag march. Uh, one of the most prominent responders on social media was actually Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, she tweeted, this movement grooms minors to have mastectomies and castration and fuels a multi-billion dollar medical child abuse industry. Uh, she is urging Congress to pass the Protect Children's Innocence Act, uh, which is a bill that would essentially ban gender-affirming care procedures, uh, which that's what she's talking about when she says mastectomies and castration, of course, is uh, the fact that minors in a lot of places, Vanderbilt Medical Center being one of them, though they've since shut that program down, uh, have been allowed uh, to receive these quote-unquote gender-affirming procedures, uh, which is a child, you know, someone under the age of 18 years old, identifying as transgender, having to go through the hoops, which we've seen has been fairly easy to go through the the counseling hoops and then the medical hoops uh, to get approved uh, to have your body completely changed permanently, right? If you have a mastectomy, uh, you're, you're not getting that part of your body back. Uh, And if you have uh, what they call bottom surgery, as we've talked about too, you're not getting that part of your body back. Or if you're going uh, through uh, hormonal treatments, right, you're taking testosterone or you're blocking uh, testosterone from entering your body during puberty, uh, that's potentially permanent, right? You know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to return back to the, the state that you were uh, prior to going through these therapies and, and, and having these, uh, these surgeries, which ultimately, in many cases, end up sterilizing you know, 10, 12, 13 year old children, uh, how can they make that decision about what they want their future to look like when, you know, they're, they can't even put food on the table for themselves yet, uh, much less make these permanent life altering uh, decisions. So there've been a lot of conservatives, a lot of Christians, and honestly, uh, even a lot of middle of the road people uh, who have been uh, very, very critical of this move. And I think that's what this chant was all about, was people who are pushing back on the conservatives and Christians who have concerns about this growing trend, this transgender trend uh, in our culture. Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting watching all of this because that really is the why the why it matters, right? I mean, people care about this because it involves kids. And I think what we're watching, and we've seen this again and again, the polls are shifting. You're watching Americans really shift. I think there was a real apathetic stance 
to a lot of the, this when it came to adults, right? You know, well, if you're an adult, you know, and this is not me speaking, I think it's just a cultural whim. You know, if you're an adult and you make a decision to transition, that's on you. But the minute this shifted to kids and we started seeing this sort of thing happen, um, you know, we're watching the polls show that Americans are becoming more socially conservative. I mean, it's such a retraction, I think, culturally from what has been happening. And the fact that that's showing itself in the polls should probably be pretty alarming um, if you're on the progressive side and you're entering into an election year. I did not have it on my bingo card that the country was going to be shifting more socially conservative, right? That is a that is a shocking development. We saw it with the Gallup numbers. We've seen a number of polls showing Americans say they think that biology is binary, that it's not whatever you think it is, that there's just male and female. And so you're seeing majorities start to say these things. And that's an interesting development. Yeah, well, I think you know, that's encouraging. I, I think the reality is, is that going after children might be the straw that broke the camel's back. I think there are a lot of people who, like I said, are, are middle of the road, not just politically, but maybe even religiously, uh, who are starting to say enough is enough. Like you could you could do what you want to, to do, as you said, as an adult, uh, but don't start coming after my kids. Uh, and I think as far as why this matters to the believer is uh, we can't get something more fundamental than our identity, right? Not only as image bearers of God, we are created in the image of God, as scripture says, uh, but God is very clear, even in Genesis, in the very first chapter of Genesis, uh, what does he say? He said that he created them male and female. Uh, He created us in his image. Those are the only two options. He created us as men and women, as boys and girls uh, in his image. uh, And that can't be altered, right? We we can't play God and decide what we're going to be sexually or who we're going to be biologically. That's a choice that God made in his perfect design for us. And so that's why this matters, right? We can't back down as Christians on this. Of course, we can approach people compassionately uh, and meet them where they're at, uh, but we can't compromise on this uh, on this truth. Well, Trey, thanks for bringing that story. And that carries us over to our main thing today. CBN's Madison Seals spoke with Brad Hill, who is the Chief Solutions Officer with Glue, to discuss a new initiative aimed at helping Christians navigate and effectively engage with artificial intelligence. They're going to discuss the opportunity he believes AI presents for Christians to reach people with the gospel and grow in their faith. Here's today's main thing. We live in a time when technology is evolving rapidly, and artificial intelligence is a huge part of that. The potential for AI to be a helpful tool is great, but so are the dangers and fears about the technology, making it hard for people to tell what's real versus what's fake. One of the latest creations that stoked such fears is an AI Jesus that talks about everything from dating to morals to video games. And I don't know what AI Jesus would say, but God tells us in scripture to not be anxious about anything, but to focus on whatever is true. And today I'm talking to Brad Hill, chief solutions officer of a leading technology platform called Glue, which seeks to do just that. Brad, thanks for joining me. It's great to be here, Madison. Thank you. Absolutely. First, tell me a little bit more about your organization, Glue. Yes. So Glue has been around now over 10 years, and we are ultimately a platform. And what we seek to do is connect. So we we do a lot of our work within the church. And when I say the church, we're really talking broadly about all of these organizations, ministries, 
certainly the local church, but even a lot of us individually who do various types of work in ministry. And what we find, Madison, a lot of times is that there's opportunities for us to serve together or connect to the right resources or people, but it can be challenging to partner together. It can be challenging to even know what all is out there. I think about what we all went through during COVID and the way we express our faith really changed and was disrupted during that time. So glue is glue is there to be, in a sense, kind of the connector for the faith ecosystem, whether that's people, organizations, content, even funding for different ministries. And uh, we're now turning our attention to this really interesting topic of AI and how it might affect all that. Yeah, and that is so important because that's one of those issues that sometimes we as Christians or just human beings in general, we don't know what to think about it. And there's so many different people talking about different aspects of it and their opinions on it. And so it's important that we get to hear this Really, it's a biblical worldview on it. That's what we seek to channel here at CBN. I know that's what you're doing through this organization as well. So you just announced this new effort called AI and the Church Initiative with a mission to empower the church to responsibly navigate and engage the evolving landscape of artificial intelligence. What are some key aspects of this initiative? Well, I love how you set that up. We we are a big fan, Madison, of the way you guys are thinking here at CBN because there's been many times historically when a new technology kind of enters the scene and we've we've kind of studied and watched a little bit how the church responds in that moment and as it feels like now maybe your listeners can relate it's like ai has just exploded in the last few months we used to not hear a lot about it unless you really work in technology that it has been around for a while but it really has just entered the public consciousness recently. And with that rapid change, we we know that the church historically, if left alone, will so- start to kind of fall in against a spectrum of how it responds. Some people might be really fearful, right? You kind of alluded to that a minute ago. Other people get really, really excited when there's a new technology and they just sort of run towards it without thinking too much. And we think that there's room in the middle for a really healthy, important discussion about how we can thoughtfully use this, but also make sure that we are being very, very grounded in the principles and the message and the gospel that we all hold. So this AI in the Church initiative that we're, that we're launching is really meant to be a place where we can all come together, find out what's changing, what's new, what are the right conversations that need to be had, whether that's an event or maybe an article, blog post, podcast, etc. And then also we're watching just an incredible, beautiful tapestry of technologies that are starting to experiment with things. Some of them are good. Some of them maybe leave some questions. But at Glue, we're trying to look for the right opportunities to help the church not just follow or even lag behind, but we want the church to lead in this area. That's really what we're after is to help the church thoughtfully enter this new age of AI and and do it in a way that advances the kingdom well. This collaborative aspect of the initiative is awesome because there are so many good ideas within the church. And when you bring together all of these minds that have the similar mission, there's just such incredible potential with that. But yeah, talk about some of these other parts of the initiative. Yes. And there's an important principle, Madison, that I would just start with, and that is the word relationship. Whenever we think about technology here at Glue, we have a core kind of holding that, that, that we always come back to, which is that we're made for relationship. So even when we think about something new like AI, 
the phrase that we've really gotten comfortable with is we're not here to replace any relationship, but we do want to see how AI could maybe support or enhance or deepen relationships that people have with one another. So in the initiative, for example, we are launching a fund, a $25 million fund that really seeks to find efforts, technologies, maybe maybe new initiatives of other other organizations that are also supporting relationships and ministry. This could be anything from evangelism to discipleship. We could talk about, you know, different sub lanes like relationships, family, parenting, you name it. There's a lot of things out there that we probably don't know about yet, but we want to be able to accelerate those things that are really redemptive and good uses of AI. So the fund is one part. We also are preparing a new hub primarily for leaders in ministries, leaders in churches to just have one place to go to find out what's new, what's changing, what should I pay attention to right now. We're going to be sponsoring an event this fall called a hackathon. And a hackathon is really kind of a fun event. It's a little bit of a contest, but it's designed to bring really, really bright minds together to build things and to pursue an idea and at the end of a two to three or four day period, emerge with a prototype or a concept. So you can think about challenges like how could AI improve the way we reach people for Jesus? How could AI help us be more relational in the way we disciple another person? Or how could AI support a pastor or a small group leader or a counselor in knowing what to say next? There's a, there's a myriad of different jobs. And so we're excited this fall to kind of put those challenges and put those questions out to a broader group and see what comes back. So uh, those are among a few things that we're announcing early and, and we'll have much more to come. Yeah, that's great. There's no doubt that AI technology is powerful, but as we've talked about, so is the church. So just generally, what do you think that AI's place is for Christians in ministry? Yes, it's a good question. And I, you know, we have to just always ground ourselves that the technology is not the thing. The relationship is the thing. And, you know, AI, as we're all watching in the in the news daily now, is really sweeping every part of culture. I see it popping up in entertainment, in politics, in education. And so, you know, we would first ask the question, why should the church not also explore this incredible new capability and also do so thoughtfully? So, you know, part of your question, Madison, what's the place for AI in ministry or in the church, I would say it's it's really not too dissimilar from any other technology, whether that's the printing press, the TV camera, the internet, etc. We think there's a place and we think that reaching today's culture, we in the church, we need to stay agile enough to understand how we can use this technology well to power the Great Commission and, and reach even a neighbor or a coworker. But we also need to be mindful and careful of some of the pitfalls and some of the downfalls. So uh, we don't think it's a matter of should the church use a technology. Uh, we just want to make sure that we use it well. And where can people find out more about Glue and the AI and the Church Initiative? At Glue, we're pretty good with technology, but um, some people have said we're not too good at spelling. So let me just make sure that <laughs> people know how Glue is spelled. So it's G-L-O-O. And so our website is is Glue, G-L-O-O dot U-S forward slash A-I. So it's Glue dot U-S slash A-I. That's the place that we've kind of created a front door 
for everybody interested in this intersection of AI and the church. And we'd love to have you come check it out and bookmark it because it's going to be changing quite often. Oh, yeah, no doubt. This is such an interesting topic. And like I said, we're always looking for the biblical worldview and everything that we discuss. So, Brad, thank you for being that voice on the podcast today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Madison, for that great main thing. And that brings us over to our one last thing. And it's Matthew 24, 13. It's such a simple verse, but it reads, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And I just I think about these people in Iran and all these other countries, Trey, who are struggling and they're enduring in horrific situations to the end and how easy it is for us and how hard it is for them. And, and again, it's just so convicting. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think it's a verse that meets all of us where we're at, whether you're someone who's facing violent persecution, this verse rings true, right? Staying true to the gospel is is the ultimate uh, is the ultimate uh, value here. It's, it's the thing that's the most important. I think it's true, too, uh, if you're facing cultural issues like we are in the United States, staying true to the gospel uh, is, is what's going to carry us through to the end. Absolutely. Well, that is all the time we have for today's show. If you want a Christian perspective in the news, please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a rating. Again, you can email us at quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. And don't forget to subscribe to the CBN Quick Start email newsletter as well. Lord willing and the creek don't rise. We'll see you back here tomorrow.